0: For supremacy, a battle for the ages. There's no turning back now. We'll either rise as one, or fall as. Okay, all right, okay. Hold the phone, just a tick. I'm pretty sure you're just starting at the end, and you can't start at the end. Where's the suspense? Rising action, as they say. It's like storytelling 101, am I right? So, if we could kindly back up. Keep going. Freeze! Right there. This feels right. Obligatory proverb that's both foreboding, yet extremely obvious. Bingo! This must be the beginning. Okay, classic movie trailer voice. Take it away. In a world full of perils, an epic journey begins. Across treacherous seas, staring danger directly in the eye. No, 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 not buying it. Directly in the eye? Come on, we can do better than that. Look, I know what you're thinking. Pirate ship, pedestrian Jack Sparrow impression, treasure, yo-ho-ho kind of deal. Well, it's not. It's more than that. It's a story about adventure and who would be brave enough some might say crazy enough to go on an adventure like this i said to go on an adventure like this oh for the love of forget it cue the montage of our heroes looking obnoxiously heroish That's what I'm talking about. See, these are the strongest, like mythical titans who faced a thousand beasts. These are the courageous who've taken on the world. The timeless, the fearless. They are larger than life. Marred with the dust and sweat and blood from hundreds and hundreds of days and nights. They traveled and battled. This is their quest for gold. glory, for immortality. Now I know you think you've heard this story before, but tonight forget everything you know. I'm serious, everything. (sighs) Because tonight, fate leads the way. And fate, my friends, has a funny way of surprising us. Forged in blood, in blood. Tonight... awaits. Tonight, history waits for no one. And the time to shape their history begins right now.
1: Sorry, this is completely off topic, but I said I meant to ask Tinky, and I reckon Matt, I reckon you could be a bit of an expert on this as well. I spoke to you, spoke on the podcast, I can't remember if it was one that we recorded together. I feel like it's something you would have said in front of me and old man, because it would have probably been more comfortable and more of a sort of thing that we'd have in line. But you said that you have nothing but horrible poos these days, and that everyone's a disaster
2: not necessarily everyone's horrible but they I never enjoy it anymore you never get those really nice ones which are just yeah it like it feels like a relief and it also doesn't feel like a big like, job to sort it out afterwards so, like it either it's either oh well that's done you know or like it's just it's just a mess <laughs>
1: Because what I've, I've noticed recently this has been, probably gone on for the last six months I reckon and, and it's only just kind of got the courage to talk about it is that like i love my shit i wipe my ass and it'll all be completely clean and I'm like 20 minutes later, I have to go and wipe my ass again. Like, why is oh, why yeah. does this happen? Loads. Like, this happens, and it's almost after every shit. Like, almost every shit, I'm like, I need to give myself, if I'm going anywhere, I've got to give myself, like, 20 minutes grace <laughs> period to have to go pop off and do a rewipe. Because it's just like, what the, where is this coming from? I thought I did all this already. Like, why is this happening? Is, am I getting, am I, is my, my, I don't know, my, my sphincter getting. Looser as I get into my old age. What, where is this happening? Why is this happening?
2: well I think also the other thing is, is that since having our son, like I can't, you haven't got the time back anymore. Like I used to spend a long time sat on the bog, just like leisurely letting the poo come out. Yeah. <laughs> you can't do that now. You've got to like right. you've got to be actually focused on the job now, and it's yeah. like this isn't enjoyable. Like, well, you can't do like, you can't do anything in five minutes. What's the point?
1: <laughs> do you know I'm had numb legs for
3: fucking ages. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, pins and needles because you've I had pins and needles yesterday, sat on the bog. I love it. Oh, <laughs> oh, the I mean, life of a it. non-parent, my, my, my leisurely love
2: time. Yeah, enjoy it, enjoy it. Uh, th- well, there you go. We've got the uh, opening sh- part of the show sorted for <laughs> this week. <laughs> Welcome to the Random Wrestling Review, and today we begin the two nights of WrestleMania. Uh, era i suppose I'm happy because it means we're not doing the five hour shows but we do start with a pretty tricky one to watch and to talk about i suppose because we are lifting ourselves back into the world of covid19 the pandemic that shut everything down and i'm sure we'll talk about that as we go on through this show on this day is first of all tom smith uh right here young
1: sunny jim old fella me lad, skip me old pal from the briny Let's fill up the picnic hamper.
2: Very nice, very nice indeed, very good. Matt's got no clue what you're talking about. Some of our listeners probably don't either, but I'm not going to. I'm not going to explain it for them. They're just going to have to, as you as you put it before, Tom. if They don't know. They better find a way to find out.
1: Yeah, <laughs> uh, I'm playing that for an audience of B two. You BB2. and one of our listeners definitely will get that reference.
2: I think I think Alex will as well. So it's all good. Yeah. Um, and also we have the polar bear that we've already talked about a little bit today welcome to the show Matt thank you very much for having me
3: guys it's a pleasure to be back especially for what feels like a new era with, uh, with two night manias now so it uh, should be interesting
2: today as I said we're covering Wrestlemania 36 night one not night two night two will come in two weeks time and this is the COVID mania and I guess there's only one thing to start with and that is our expectations for the show Matt let's start with you Yeah, where where do
3: you even start with this? Because it's, let's face it, I think it's a time that we'd all rather forget and uh, not ever have to remember and talk about again. But it doesn't feel like it was that long ago. But then it also feels like it was a lifetime ago as well. So it's a really strange one. I mean, in terms of expectations, I mean, my God, I I remember watching some WWE stuff with no crowd up until they you know, started to do the Thunderdome uh, Thunderdome stuff. And it, it wasn't for me. Uh, you know, wrestling without a crowd is just—it it just doesn't feel natural. So, it, it, in terms of expectations, it was something that I—I got to be honest, I was—I was dreading
2: having to go back and and rewatch it again. And Matt, you're gladly going to be on next week's show, next show as well. So you've got both the WrestleMania 36. Maybe that's what I was doing when I set up the schedule. I thought, you know, he's got to do both the WrestleMania 36 ones. I'll give him a few weeks off beforehand. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Have a nice break before. Yeah, that's that's probably a good idea. Is this is a
1: bit
2: of
3: a funny one because I definitely
1: watched this at the time when it happened. In fact, I remember we I watched it on... The Sunday, I watched... I think in the morning of the Sunday, and I think the following day, you, me and old man, we hopped on a video call and watched Night 2, didn't we?
2: I thought it was the other way around, but that might be right. I can't remember. No,
1: no, no, because I can remember it was the Firefly Funhouse one was the second one that we... So we watched that one together on like a Skype call, not too similar to this. Maybe, potentially, the light embers, you know, the the match being flicked for this podcast starting, perhaps. Maybe. Because obviously we were all on a call watching it together. I... I remember quite enjoying this at the time because I was so bereft of anything new like because I watch football I quite like others I like basketball I watch a few other sports and so it was good obviously lockdown a lot of time to kill a lot of tv to watch but I can remember chatting to a friend of mine Kurt about it and being like it's weird that we're not watching anything happen now do you know what I mean apart from the news effectively and I can remember just enjoying watching something fresh that hadn't been seen before. Technically I know I was watching it about 12 hours after it actually happened, but you get my point. It was something that was happening now in the time that made me kind of think, Oh yeah, no, there's still stuff happening. Going back to lockdown, I mean, Tinky can t- Tinky can uh, can agree with me on this. I I actually I didn't mind lockdown at the time. It's before I had a child, and my wife and I basically just got drunk every day. And because we'd been travelling the year before, we'd spent a lot of time in each other's company, so it was actually it wasn't you know it wasn't a problem at all. Uh, I know some people struggled, and and obviously it's quite a serious thing, but I I quite enjoyed it. The the bitch was, and, and I guess this is where I bring Tinky into it is that I wasn't furloughed, and I know he wasn't furloughed, and having listening to both of our <laughs> our significant others who were both furloughed moan about how bored they were and being absolutely disgusted by that (laughs) because there's no way that i could ever be bored if i didn't have to work it's just not possible and i think you you felt exactly the same way didn't you tinky
2: i am uniquely built not to do anything uh, other than the things i want to do constantly my wife on the other hand is the opposite she needs stuff to do so she did genuinely get bored and i was like "Fucking now we just need to you just need to do my job for me and i'll just sit down do nothing for a while." how this should go. But uh, so she also had the benefit, I think, in April of the most beautiful summery April there ever was. Yeah, yeah there's they,
3: something I completely forgot as well, is that I have, I actually have a bit of a personal attachment to this WrestleMania, which I completely forgot about. Oh, yeah. This was the WrestleMania that I was meant to be at. I remember buying a travel package a couple of years ago, and initially this was the one that me and my Kieran were meant to be going to. Obviously, in the end that didn't end up happening, and at the time we absolutely had no idea what hell was going on and to be fair you know nobody did so the travel company didn't know either so we didn't know what would happen for next year's and then obviously the advertisers in the middle of the show they were like oh it'll be la and we're like oh great But then obviously it didn't end up being la either so i I was watching with with bated breath to see where my uh my first wrestlemania would be didn't they do it the following year in tampa yeah yeah they did but originally it was meant to be la the year after right okay what's they they did performance center tampa dallas like. Yeah they yeah they did Tampa as like a make good cuz that's what it was meant to be originally yeah. but then they did um yeah they like I said then they did Dallas and I did L.A. the year after, but L.A. was the one I was meant to be going to all along, and uh, i, I got to be honest, as, as it turns out, I'm glad it was Texas I went to, but yeah, this this was the one I was originally meant to be at. Wasn't there, when if there was a
1: make-do at uh, WrestleMania the following year, wasn't there like a horrendous thunderstorm that like, delayed oh. it if, like, is that where that amazing picture of Taz and the poncho comes from? Oh, yeah. Samoa, Joe. <laughs> Samoa, Samoa Joe. Samoa Joe, Samoa Joe yeah, that's right, yeah. It's <laughs> incredible.
3: Oh, I know, I remember staying up to watch it live as well, i got to be honest, I was, I was tired at that point, and then I just remember remember it coming on and they're like, oh, we can't start yet because of a storm. I was like,
2: oh, yeah. fuck off. Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> so did you, so you went to the WrestleMania 37 or 38? I'm
3: getting confused. Th- 38 was the one I went to.
2: Yeah, I thought so. I, I thought that's when you went, but then you were talking about 37. And you all got very, very confused. Anyway. Yeah, so my expectation. So this show aired two weeks into the lockdown. So the lockdown sort of hap- started in sort of late March. This happened in early April. It's about 10 days or so between the start of lockdown and this. And by this point, I was already kind of like, you know, the lockdown was fine. I mean, I was getting a little bit bored because there wasn't a lot. There was no sport. There was no new television. Like a lot of television had to stop. I remember they even had EastEnders go down to like two episodes oh, a week rather than no. four because they wanted to extend the amount of time that they had recorded episodes for. And – so it was it was it was good to have this, but it wasn't like I was, you know, in the real depths of kind of boredom, which happened towards the end of COVID, where, you you know, you did start to get a little bit bored because even someone like me who doesn't really like to go out, you kind of get a little bit stir crazy, you start to like, you know, I could do with just seeing somebody different, seeing something else in these four walls. This team's chat I'm looking at at work all the time, you know, those kinds of things. So, you know, in terms of the show itself. It was quite a welcome distraction at the time, and funnily enough, I think there's you could argue there's something a little bit questionable about WWE doing this show because everything else was shut down for a good, very good reason. WWE obviously found a place. I mean, Florida was one of the laxest areas oh, yes. of the, of america in terms of the covid stuff and wwe's performance center just happened to be there which is another for them another kind of great reason why, why having the performance center really was a big big thing for them and it therefore meant that they could do wrestlemania but it was quite questionable but at the time i think at the same time, I felt a bit like, well, at least somebody can do something. <laughs> you know, at least yeah. somebody can actually put something on because no one else could. We didn't know what was happening to the football season. It had gone three quarters of the way through and had to stop. The baseball season wasn't going to happen. It was just about to start and it wasn't able to start. And and UFC stopped and every, everything.
3: Aha. Stopped, didn't Ah, now, now you say that. I was about to say UFC was actually one of the ones that started back up again. Yeah, it was just after this, to be fair. But they initially sort of started off in Florida. Because, again, you know, like I said, fraud just let anything go. And that's when they opened up the, <laughs> the sort of, quote, fight island, which is basically in Abu Dhabi where they had, like, mass testing. Nobody in the audience other than, you know, just staff. And they ended up do, do, doing regular fights. And at, at the time, they had a ton of shit for it. They had a lot of bad press initially for doing it. But eventually people wanted it because they just wanted, you know, wanted some form of sport back. Quick question. AEW was, I remember
1: watching some AEW during COVID as well. And I think they actually had, they had like the roster, didn't they? Like members of the roster, like around in the ringside area kind of acting as a de facto crowd. Did they, did they have a break as well? Or did they just soldier on through in the way that WWE did?
2: I'm pretty sure they had a break. But you've got to remember that the, the COVID lockdowns actually lasted a long time. Like They really did last quite a long time. Like There were still lockdowns in 2021. When we started mm-hmm. doing the pod, we were still in lockdown. A different lockdown. It's like the third lockdown or something, but they were still there. So I think they very briefly stopped. I'm just looking through cage match. No, it doesn't look like they did, in fact. It looked like they went right the way through. The
3: crowd must have been when when WWE started doing Thunderdome and everything, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think so.
2: It does appear that they just carried on. So again, yeah, and most of their stuff was in Florida. <laughs> there you yeah, go, bit sure. bit in Georgia as well, but the mass mass vast majority of it was in Jacksonville, Florida. So yeah, wrestling was kind of the one thing that carried on. At least mainstream wrestling, obviously indie wrestling stopped and sort of Japan, Japanese wrestling it, to a great extent, but WWE and AEW kept going. And so my expectations were quite high. I was quite looking forward to it in in the sense of this will be novel. We haven't like this is a completely different thing again. But I remember thinking that when I first start when I started watching it when it was live. And very quickly, the novelty wore off. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So Ah. we're probably going to find that that's the case today, but we will see.
1: That's a good point. I don't actually think I said what my expectations were. I think I just said what I thought when I watched it. So again, it was was intrigue more than excitement, I'd say, coming into this. Seeing how I'd feel if I went back to that place again, that place Mm. being crowdless wrestling
2: yeah and you know what i think i think we go straight into the main talking point because the main talking point is the fact that there's no crowd right there's there's no other main talking point that you can get from this in my view maybe you have got something else but we'll start there anyway because it's so strange and i think what my talking point is going to be is the person who i think most adapts to there being no crowd at all mm-hmm. and i'm going to name them now seth rollins yeah okay so i i As everyone knows, figure of hate for this year for me was Seth Rollins. But during his match here with Kevin Owens, I think he does excellently. He's the he is the best in adapting to that. He is talking smack to Kevin Owens all the way through, but it's not over the top. A couple of them are over the top trying to feel the silence, I thought, during the show. Seth Rollins wasn't over the top. He just about pitched it perfectly so that there was still investment in his match without the crowd. And and that really helped me through that match, because through a lot of the matches, I was like, there's no drama because there's no crowd. So there's no near falls. You're not like getting you're not getting excited because someone's kicked out or, you know, any and some of the bigger moves aren't as in, interesting because there's nobody reacting to those bigger moves. So you really needed that extra dimension, which was the sort of telling the story vocally rather than just with your actions, which is what wrestling usually relies on. And I thought Seth Rollins was excellent at it. And I thought that their match as a consequence was was just a really, really good piece of work. Did I think it was the best match of the night? Yes, I did. Sorry, I just had to go through my, my notes to find out. For me, that was match of the night because they, Kevin Owens to a lesser extent, but both of them did adapt really well to the no crowd and changed The nature of what they would do, whereas I think some just did what they were going to do anyway, and others kind of really went too far in changing what they would do, and it kind of got a little bit, you know, it just got a little bit over the top. So for me, Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins, and Seth Rollins in particular, really, really adapted that, but it did pose a challenge to the roster here, which is, what do we do now? There's no crowd. How do we, how do we work these matches in a way that we've never had to consider before?
1: I see it's interesting, actually, because I made a similar note, but on the opposite person, because Kevin Owens is always a great shit talker in matches when he's a heel anyway. Um, So maybe maybe he doesn't necessarily need to adapt as much to something that he does a lot all the time. But I yeah, I did notice how much interaction there was between one another because I was thinking about it and I was like, I've not gotten too many, barely maybe one. Even then, I think I might have been with you, Tiki. Um, maybe, <laughs> but like I barely got into any fights in my life. Um, but if it was like really was that personal, you would be shit talking, wouldn't you? Like the entire time. You know what I mean? So, uh, yeah, like in terms of that, like if you if you're taking your like expectations of it being super realistic out of it, like you get it in the UFC, do not you? You get people fucking talking shit to each other. You like Nate is, you know people like that. Conor McGregor's all they do is talk throughout like, the entire fight. So I like that. Do you want to know my highlight of this match though? This use of the ring bell because it makes such a tremendous noise when they hit anybody with it. It reminded me of like Bottom or Reeves and Mortimer when they hit each other with the frying pan. It's like it's this absolute classic. There's a bit halfway through the match where Seth Rollins walks out because he's had enough, effectively, and he's going to walk off. And um, Kevin Owens, who's been battered at this point as well, kind of basically calls Rollins out for being a coward, and Rollins then. Comes back into the ring to teach him a lesson. And I don't really think that made any sense because Rollins walking off in the first place is an act of cowardice that he knows he's doing that. So I just thought it was a bit, it just didn't really make much sense to me that the fact that like Kevin Owens could use that reverse psychology on him and make him come back to the ring, it just didn't make much sense. But I thought this was a pretty good match. Seth's Falconaro on the outside looks absolutely brutal. Kevin Owens coming off the WrestleMania sign. Sound, that uh, sounds great. Some brutal sounding chair shots. I thought this match was, was, was one of the highlights of the show for me.
2: Yeah. on that, on that point about Seth Rollins come back, I, I kind of take your point and I did think about it, but I, I explained it away in my own mind by Seth Rollins deciding he was going to come back because Kevin Owens offered him no disqualification, and Rollins reasoned that he would go to lower depths than Kevin Owens would hmm. in that environment. So that's how I, that's how I explained it away. But I, I do think it's a valid point.
3: I hope the commentators would be able to, uh, <laughs> would be able to elaborate on that. To be honest, I'm so, I'm so glad that you brought up the ring bell there because what what happened first. When Seth hit him with the ring bell, what did they do? They called for a fucking disqualification, <laughs> which I swear to God, at first, had that been the finish, we would be having a very different discussion over this match. Because <laughs> I, I didn't I didn't remember any of this at all. And when they did that, I literally just stopped and just went, you are fucking kidding. I was Cal- like, calm down. surely they're gonna change it it's not gonna it's not gonna end that way and thankfully my patience was rewarded because that would have been utter bullshit but thank god they didn't do that i I think throughout the show i I, i'm really really gonna have to try my best to to try and temper my expectations to you know like, like we said to the fact that there is no crowd there it's just for me, you know, it's it's you know, it's gonna be different for you know different people, but I, I need that crowd there. For me, it's almost ugh, like I, I can't watch it without it. It's just bizarre. But to give them the credit that the pair of them do deserve, they both worked their asses off. I think that was quite clear that they both really did give their all. And it's mad to think that I think up until this point, I don't think Kevin Owens really had what he would have considered his WrestleMania moment, which is why I think he went all out to, you know, and he dove off the the WrestleMania sign as well. Um, You know, that that was definitely cool. Seth Rollins' character, I mean, yeah, it still is a bit of a, you know, disconnect to me. You know, I'm watching back to this. I forgot his whole Monday Night Messiah sort of thing. Like, you know, he comes out, like, you know, some form of second coming of Jesus, but, like, his theme song is almost like a metal song, and his it just I dunno, there's there's just there's something that doesn't blend and it, it doesn't it doesn't seem right. But you know, like I said, you know, I, I do agree that, you know, Seth did do a you know, sort of taunting and you know, you know, tr trying to, to get things going that way. So so that was good. It wasn't my match of the night. There is another one which we will come to, which was mine, but they, they did work really hard and it was good for what it was. The Monday Night Messiah
1: thing, there's a bit where um I think it's JBL on commentary says Seth Rollins is trying to mould Monday Night Raw in his own image. And I was like, well, by having a one on one feud with one person in the same way that everyone in the house on the entire roster does. It made me kind of think, like, if if that was the that was the point of the character, he should be in, involved in everything, you know? He should, you know, basically, But if he's trying, if that's, and I might be being a bit pedantic here, but, like, if you're going to be, if that's kind of what his gimmick is going to be, then make that his gimmick and make him try and affect the entire show, just rather than just the little segment he's in, if that's genuinely what they're trying to do. I didn't get this gimmick at the time it makes no sense it's just seth rollins being seth rollins just saying a few different words it doesn't change his match style it doesn't change enough for it to make any meaningful difference and i'm i'm very much i'm i'm on i'm on tinky's side here i'm going to say bins he's he's bins old rollins <laughs>
2: I thought bins were something else. I thought it's just the shape of their chin that made it's, them Bins. It's, <laughs> it's, the, it's the nose and the chin
1: that makes bins. But then I realised I don't like it. Really like any of the bins the rest of this either. So they get kind of roped into it as well.
2: For me, you couldn't remember the Monday Night Messiah, or you forgot the Monday Night Messiah character. That says it all about Seth Rollins. You can't change your character so fucking frequently. It's just not. It just it's rubbish. It's stupid. It, it's 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 nonsense. It's like when WCW reset. The entire roster <laughs> yeah. vacated all the titles, and when they came back, heels were babyfaces, babyfaces were heels. New alliances have sprung up from nowhere, and you're like, hang on. Like, so basically, what you're doing is you're basically saying this is an entirely different universe than the one that was two weeks ago. Stopped because you decided all the storylines are rubbish. Like, it's just ridiculous. It's stupid, uh, and I and I hate it. And that's why Seth Rollins is my figure of hate more than any other reason. Really, is because of that thing. Going back to the lack of crowd, so it is it is difficult and it's it's obviously nowhere near as, as enjoyable and i found that about everything like football i fought football and no matter you're not a big fan of, you don't like football anyway but i found football to be the worst thing ever without a crowd like genuinely i haven't gone back to it properly since i i've found it so shit that i was like this is worse than any i'd rather watch reality television than football when there's no crowd. Football with no crowd is the most ridiculously pointless thing ever. I found when I watched it, and in a way that I didn't. Wrestling was difficult, but not as difficult as football. I just found football insanely shit. And I wonder, Matt, how did you find UFC without a crowd?
3: Do you know, what? I was about to say it's, it's interesting actually, because at least for a short period of time. It made it more exciting, actually. Um, A lot of the fuckers, I don't know what it was, but there was um, some of the best knockouts over the last couple of years and some of the best finishes happened during the pandemic era. And it was just, in fact, there was quite a a sort of famous fight. I can't remember the two guys in it, but one of them was a, a fighter called Max Holloway. And he was talking to the commentary team while he was beating his opponent. Like, you know, they were shouting, or, you know, I'm talking about like his how good his boxing is, while he was, you know, just putting on a boxing clinic against the guy he was beating. And it was just it was amazing, you know, to see him do that while talking to the commentary team, hearing them talk back to him. It was it was really ridiculous. But for a short period of time it worked quite well.
1: I guess with the UFC, if you're really, really into it as well, you can probably hear like the the instructions that his team, his corner men, are yelling to the fighters yeah. and stuff like that, which probably makes it a lot more exciting. One thing I did try and listen out for was to see if I could hear anyone calling the matches, obviously because there's no crowd. And I couldn't really... I didn't really notice anything at all. Nothing that overly stuck out. So whether or not they were all rehearsed to shit, or maybe there was like, as you said, Tink Geeks, it was pre-recorded. Maybe they edited it, some of that out or something like that. But yeah, I definitely did listen out for that. The one thing that I will say is that a lot of the in-ring noise helped tune out, helped me tune out some of the commentary as well, <laughs> which was quite nice. The other the last thing that I kind of want to say about the, the lack of crowd, you know, overall, was that I was like... <laughs> oh is there a fucking ring announcer <laughs> who's he announcing to <laughs>
3: like, that that was one of my biggest bugbearers it's like who gives a shit it's like <laughs> you don't need to do it now yeah. who
2: cares but that's that's the same as all the like when they got in the ring and they'd still pose for the crowd yeah as, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, what are you doing that for like when you come out in I'm front gonna, of the yeah. crowd right? you're like you, you're, they come out and they stand at the top of the ramp and they raise their arm you're like who are you raising your arm yeah. to there's no one there yeah like, yeah,
1: yeah. I, I did think that but i did think to myself i was i kind of explained that away to myself by being like maybe it's just like muscle memory <laughs> i think that probably was it a lot for a lot of them in, in, yeah, in sure. real life but what i would have liked them to have done more in that situation would have been to like address the camera do you know what i mean like to go and direct to the camera do you know what I mean rather than pose
2: <laughs> to no one <laughs> yeah they, they could have had they could have had like michael cole when they got when they got to the ring, and Michael say, OK, this is the match Had a graphic coming yeah. show, show the names and then the ring bell, the bell rings. And then you're like, oh, yeah, we're off. We're off. And, and there was no need. You're right. There's no need. I didn't even think about that when I was watching it. But you're right. There's absolutely no need for an announcer. So. But yeah. there's no need for them to do their poses. I guess, as you say, muscle memory. But I also met, I bet you it was just an edict. Yeah. Pretend you're in front of a crowd, basically. Oh, yeah, was their, yeah. Was their yeah. yeah, 100%. <laughs> which which uh, I'm not sure was necessary, to be honest. So has anyone got anything else that's a talking point for this show? So I did kind of want to talk about
1: the Boneyard match. So you've got Undertaker versus AJ Styles in the Boneyard, Boneyard match. It's a buried alive match on location, effectively. And I was, I came into it and I was like, I don't know what to expect from this because I don't know whether or not... I obviously had seen it before and I can remember quite liking it at the time. But thinking back again, was I just looking at a few rose tinted glasses? Was I thinking just because it's something new that I hadn't seen? And do you know what? I really fucking like this match. I really, really, really enjoyed it. I love the fact that they, they're obviously the backs are against the wall. So they had to do something different to, to, to make it stand out and, and to, you know, to do something different and to, to some extent there's an element of them having to do the match at this because Undertaker can't really go anymore. So I really like the idea of them doing like a cinematic style of match if you were to watch this as just a straight up wrestling match and this this exact same thing happens but in the ring it would be intolerable it would be absolutely dreadful but what they do is they move around the set of the of the boneyard enough so they kind of start off fighting by like a limo they go over the limo and around then they fight around some grass for a little bit then a bunch of druids come up from a backlit <laughs> shed with incredible lighting in it and then attack him, then the OC come out and attack the Undertaker, gets over them, then AJ Styles twats him, tracks the Undertaker with a shovel, puts yeah. him in the grave and then the Undertaker magics up behind up behind AJ Styles on the back of a tractor climbs up a ladder really slowly, made me think, fuck the Undertaker won't any ladder matches, because <laughs> watching him get up the ladder was like watching my dad climb scaffolding and then he does he does the big Undertaker thing, some some pyro goes off. I was watching, I was like, this is fucking amazing. I enjoyed this so much. I, I thought it was really, really fun. It's fucking, if you would to see this in a film, you'd be like, this is absolute dog shit. And it made me think of like a B-movie kind of fight scene. I love the fact that the Undertaker keeps calling AJ Styles Alan. <laughs> I love that. That's a highlight. It's just really, really fun. I was genuinely pleasantly surprised by their acting despite AJ Styles atrocious haircut he manages to come off as somewhat menacing I just wish there was a little bit more magic if I'm being honest. I'd i <laughs> have liked The Undertaker to have, like, floated down to the back of the, you know, the back of the tractor or something like that. But I was like, do you know what? Fair fucking play to them. And it's my match of the night because it's just something completely different. It was just, yeah, I watched it and I enjoyed it. I like the fact there's, like, a running score in the background. The fact that you can hear him, like, you hear them punching, breathing heavily, panting, adds an element of realism and violence to the match, which... Which I thought worked really well. And yeah, just overall, I thought this match was really good. Well done, Mark. And well done, Alan.
3: (laughs) What's funny, though, is that I agree. This is my match of the night. And The Undertaker is my MVP of the entire fucking show. Uh, Not only that, this is probably one of my favourite things I've ever seen The Undertaker do. And... It's funny because I remember watching it at the time and I was blown away at the time. And I I literally, you know, as soon as it finished, I was like, I was quite confused in a way. I was like, what the fuck was that? But it was great. Watching it back, it's even better because, yeah, let's, you know, let's face facts. There was no way at this point, if you put Undertaker and AJ Styles in a ring, you know, standard classic, you know, wrestling match, it Probably wasn't going to be that good, or you know, if it was, it was going to be average to okay, maybe passable. But you know, the the both of them, are, you know, are beyond their prime. So I, I just don't see the point. If 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 they can't make it what they wanted it to, ju- just don't bother. That. at least that that was my take anyway. So the fact that they decided to, you know, and obviously it'd be because of the pandemic, they had to get creative, and so they did go the the B horror movie sort of root, and this has always been my you know my sort of thing with the undertaker is that in, in the context of watching a wrestling match where i'm i'm watching one guy or one girl or whatever you know one versus one you know this person wants to kick this person's ass it's you know it's a real fight great that's why i have a problem with the magic stuff and all that but this no 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 this was a b horror movie do all the fucking magic you like raise your arms so fire comes up what are they I can't remember what of the magic shit he did but like his his symbol at the end was oh, was great as you know his disappearing act when he hid behind AJ after coming out of the grave was fantastic i've made no bones about the fact that the american badass style of undertaker is my personal favorite and i kind of felt he was a bit of a blend of both in this which particularly for this point of his career was perfect because i think as just looking at the guy i think you could easily to some say the undertaker's an intimidating man and here he is you know big guy biker badass beating a shitter of aj you know come on boy loved him constantly taunting him like that it was great saying you know what's my wife's name how old am i you know all that shit and taunting him it was brilliant it almost felt like a western the points you know with gallows and anderson showing up the score in the background, you know, when when the match started and they had like takers and AJ Styles' name come up, almost like they may as well have just said, you know, Mark Calloway starring as the Undertaker. You <laughs> it was just, it was so good. I felt it was just one of the most. It was was the it was so different, but it was one of the most well produced things that I think they've done. You know, Taker coming out to you know metallic on his bike was just so bloody cool what a swan song for the undertaker i know it's probably not really what he wanted but that considering you know he was known for all the the character gimmicky you know gimmicky type of stuff what a perfect way to go out i think this was A bloody phenomenal job by both, pun intended.
2: You know, I don't disagree with either of you. I thought it was really good. I did. I really liked it. I thought they did a really good job. I think you're right, Matt. This is probably as good as they were going to get from The Undertaker, given his limitations. And I I think had this been in the ring, I think it would have been a lot less impactful. I also think that an an empty arena match in the performance centre would have felt a very, very low point on which to go out on. So I think actually taking it out of the performance center was a really good call because it just made it feel more special. I think if, they, as I said, if, even if it had been as good, but in the in the performance center, it would have felt less of a decent way for the Undertaker to end up. Whereas doing it this way, I think it made it special. And then they're not going to do it again, so that's that's good as well. It's go, it's going to remain unique. I think it was clear that the Undertaker couldn't go as well. There was one or two moments. I think at one point the Undertaker does the big boot. I think on Carl. Carl Anderson, and he can't get his foot up he gets it up to yeah. about his, his stomach and the, and that's as far as he'll go but obviously they because of the camera angle and because they can sort of do it from sort of long distance as well, they could hide that pretty well. All of the punches they they put sound effects on the punches, but quite well it was it was done well it wasn't done over the top it wasn't like you know like a computer game punch it was a, it was like a, a a proper movie style punch. So I thought they, I thought that the production was excellent. I thought what they did was really well, good. And they didn't, they kind of had phases of the match. You had the sort of first bit where the Undertaker just beating the hell out of him, and then then AJ Styles kind of gets on top for a very brief period. Then Taker gets back on top, and AJ Styles runs away. And then you have Carl Anderson and, and Luke Gallows, and then you have the Druids and and all that stuff. And they have the little bit on the top of the the roof of the sort of abandoned building, or whatever the hell it is. Then they have all the magic bit and the the, the stuff with the grave. And I just thought, yeah, this just is really decent. Keeps you entertained all the way through. You know, I, w- I wouldn't go as far to say it was amazing, but I, I think given all the limitations they had, given that this has never been done before, given that you're in the midst of a pandemic, they've got, they've got to think of something to do this in a different way. What they came up with is actually probably as good as this is ever likely to be. So I do credit them for that a lot.
1: Kind of made me think that I would like to see more matches done like that. It's not necessarily the boneyard match, but more kind of cinematic matches. But then I thought to myself, where on earth, how would you broadcast that? How would you, how would you make that a thing? Because you, if if you were had that as part of the, you know, part of. I think I'm thinking back to like WrestleMania 12, the the Gold Dust and Roddy Piper match, where a load of it is pre-taped and then they end up, you know. And it's just like, then you'd have like about you know hundred thousand people sat in an arena being like, okay. (laughs) <laughs> to watching this on the screen, you know, so I understand why they wouldn't wouldn't do it again. And I like, it I mean, we we spoke age, ages and ages ago thinking about the um the scaffold match, uh, Starcade '86, I think it is, the walk, Night of the Skywalkers, whatever it's called, and just like it being like it's clearly not a good match technically, you know what I mean, or, or you know anything like that, or even like storytelling ones, but it's just such an incredible spectacle that I've never seen before, and that alone can. Can make things, especially when you're so used to. Especially with WWF, they've got a very specific style of how they work their matches. This, I think, it's getting they're getting over time. They're getting a bit more varied, but there is definitely a a formula that follows, and anything that manages to break that formula will always will always pique my interest. So, really like this match. More bone on matches. No, no more bone. I don't want any more bone yeah. on matches. Actually.
2: Well, what's interesting is I think had Vince. I don't know how to put this because I don't know if that's really true, but I I thought for a while that they were going to do more stuff like this, even when the crowds came back. I thought this is what they were start doing because I thought actually what a good way or what an efficient way of using 20, 30 minutes on an episode of Raw each week, not to do it in the arena, pre-record it, do all the stuff you need to do, do all the post-production, everything, have it ready and then just air it at the end of Raw and you can end the live show. At the end mm. of the live show, you can let say everyone go home now, but the broadcast can continue with whatever you've got at the end. So I thought they would do that. But interestingly, now with Triple H in control of creative, I think they're further away from doing anything like this ever again than they've been for a very long time. I think Triple H is probably going to make or already has in some ways made WWE a much more work rate, traditional wrestling style company than WWE has been possibly ever, but certainly for a very, very long time. Yeah, I think we're quite a long way from getting another bone match, in WWE, or probably anywhere else for that matter. And I, I think it's probably for a good thing. I think this was good as a one off because you've got to, but I think doing it regularly would be a mistake. Tom, I know you've got to go. And, I do. Uh, Sorry, so, so our bedtime. We will continue. We'll see if Matt's got a talking point. And if not, we'll do a couple of matches, and you can come back when you're ready. Yep, cool. see you in a sec. So, Matt, did you have a talking point, or do you want to start at the start of the show?
3: May as well start because mine was either going to be the lack of crowd or the Boneyard match. So <laughs>
2: <laughs> Good stuff. All right, then. So we go to the very start of the show and it starts with Stephanie McMahon talking straight to camera. And she says this will be the most different WrestleMania of all. And she welcomes everybody to WrestleMania. Now, I am not a big fan of Stephanie McMahon. In terms of as a person, I don't think she's a particularly good person. I think she likes to pretend she is. But and in fairness, my whole basis comes down to a tweet, a single tweet of Stephanie's that that's always for me informed who she is. And that is the tweet which basically said that the reason you do uh, charitable things as part of a corporation is to make the corporation look good. But she didn't say (laughs) it in that way. She said it in a way that was almost like she wasn't talking to everybody else. She wasn't talking to the world. It's like she was talking in a private meeting to somebody that she was mentoring or something. And it was just it just said everything about who she was, which is that it's all about what it looks like, not what it actually is. So that really informed a lot about me about her for me. But there was something quite. I, I put myself back in that situation again, back at the kind of pandemic. And I thought there's something quite reassuring about the fact that you've got one of the mans on television telling me that we've still got, Wrestle- we've still got WrestleMania, even though everything else has stopped. And so I didn't mind her starting up here.
3: You, you didn't mind Stephanie giving you of so, almost like a
2: virtual hug, like it's OK. Everything's maybe yeah. I mean, it could have been Vince, though, I, you know, I just I just feel <laughs> like. As I said, you could very I'm really conflicted because you could very easily say that it's actually really morally reprehensible that they did WrestleMania during the pandemic, especially at this point when everything was completely locked down, like properly locked down. But I can't help but be thankful that they did it because it was the only thing that was going on. You know what I mean? And I remember talking to my wife at the time and saying, like, can they just not let the footballers play? Because in order to keep everyone else indoors, they need something to watch. Like, you know, they need something to be entertained by. Now, sure, footballers, anybody should be able to go, you know what, I'm going to sit out. I'm, I'm going to, you know, and they shouldn't be punished for that at all if they want to. That That's fine. And that, that's what happened in baseball. Lots of players just did not play the season even when it started in like June and July. But for those that want to and are willing... It would probably be a good thing, a morale, a morale booster to people if they were allowed to go back and play football. And that's ultimately what ended up happening sort of three months afterwards. So in a way, I was kind of like, well, we needed this. So I I feel I felt quite grateful in some ways to it, which is. I, bizarre, and I'm not. I'm not an apologist for WWE I, 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 in terms of their corporate practices at all. But in this case, I just could. I can't help it. It's, it's a strange one, right? Because
3: I, I, I was a bit down. Um, uh, down on them. Uh, can't say it? Down on them at the time for for doing this. Really, a, a lot of my problem with it ha- has to be the fact that they labeled this WrestleMania. I mean, f- for me, this. This really wasn't WrestleMania. I mean, it, you know, it would have been hard for them to do any show for it to feel like a, a you know, a normal show, but this, wasn't what WrestleMania is. Didn't feel like it. They could have labelled it anything else, and I would have had been less of a problem with it. But it's just I don't know. I, I can't, you know, especially like looking back now, all the shows that they've been. This is just one of those that, other, other than you know watching, you know this one and you know, but, you know watching the next one, there's a good chance that you know I, I may never watch these ones ever again because I just don't want to know about this time period. I just want it forgotten. And I hate that, but yeah. At the same time, you know, I was a bit grateful at the time as well for for something to be on. I mean, eventually, like I said, UFC did pick up, and you know, I was I definitely was was grateful for that as well. But wrestling, in particular, like I said, I I couldn't. I really struggled, you know, with uh, with WWE until they had crowds come back. Even even when they had the Thunderdome, I found that hard to to get into.
2: I mean, as I've sort of documented during this series, I stopped watching it at WrestleMania thirty two. And didn't watch anything but the Rumble and WrestleMania for three or four years. So I didn't watch anything from this period either other than WrestleMania, but I wouldn't have done anyway, even if crowds were there. So for me, it didn't change. And actually, I don't agree at all. I think this is the most WrestleMania of all WrestleManias because it was the only thing happening. Literally the only thing that was taking place. Anybody who even had a passing interest were probably watching it because they were like, it's the only thing that's on. It's literally the only thing we could do is watch WrestleMania. So I, I completely disagree. I think this is the, probably the most special WrestleMania because of that, that reason. Admittedly, it doesn't have the crowd, doesn't have all the kind of pomp and circumstance. But who cares? Like it, it still was really, really important. And so, yeah, I'm the complete opposite. I think this is most special, even if it's not the best or it's not. And again, I think we and loads of all wrestling fans really place too big an emphasis on watching things back and seeing if they hold up or whatever. That's not the point of wrestling. The point of wrestling is you watch it when it happens, or you know, the day after it happens, and you don't know what the results are, and you get caught up in the moment, you get caught up in the results, you get caught up in you know the stories that are playing out in front of you, and you enjoy it on that basis alone. I mean, we do. And that's the whole point of the show is to go back and watch the whole point of this podcast is to go back and watch shows from years ago and and sort of hold them up to a flashlight. But in truth, that's not the point in the first place. And so going back to that moment is why I think this is kind of a really special WrestleMania. But hell, hell, people will probably disagree with my kind of analysis of that because I, I get it completely. They probably shouldn't have put the show on. They really probably should have done his interest in life, for example, Roman Reigns is not on the show because of the fear that he would contract COVID. And that could could, given what happened to him the year before, could be a major problem. And you also he's probably thinking, regardless of whether there was any chance of that kind of being a factor in terms of COVID being particularly bad for him, he probably thought, you know what, life's too short. You know, I, I came very close to, you know, being in a really bad place with, you know, and potentially dying of leukemia. I'm not going to go and put myself in a, in a dangerous situation again for no reason. So that's telling that he didn't do it. And perhaps not all of the talents on the show had the choice. I don't know.
3: I don't know, to be honest, I, I could easily see them possibly leaning on them a little bit to be like, you know, I'm sure you can work type of thing. So, yeah, I, I guess I see what you
2: mean. Yeah. I mean, like if you were, as I said, it's different if you're Roman Reigns or you're John Cena or you're hell, Seth Rollins probably could turn around and say, I'm not, not going to be there. But if you're, you know, Elias or your Nikki Cross, are you going to be able to turn around and go, yeah, I'm, I'm not coming? Sorry. <laughs> I don't know. Probably not. Then we had and I'm going to say it now. The best America the Beautiful we've ever had. <laughs> <laughs> because it is just a mashup slash montage of all of the others that we've already have. So we've got Aretha, John Legend, Boyz to Men, Ray Charles, Michelle Williams, Fantasia, Little Richard, Aloe Black, Gladys Knight, Nicole Scherzinger, Boys uh, Choir of Harlem. And then Willie Nelson as well. And the, and we do return to Aretha Franklin and Ray Charles towards the end as well. This was great. This really put me in the bit of, in the mode of like, oh, this is, this is great. I love it. I was just, I was really, by the end of this, I was legit, legitimately like, right, let's watch this. Let's get, I was really, <laughs> like, I was properly like, you know, rubbing my hands together. Like, This is great. I really like this.
3: I, I, I got to be honest. I bet a lot of Americans were probably crying. It <laughs> wouldn't anybody- surprise me. <laughs> they were loads of Americans crying at that point, wiping away tears, I bet.
2: But what I loved about it as well is there was it, all the kind of usual patriotic nonsense that they put in the video was was gone because they just wanted to show the acts that had performed as well so it's just it was just really cool like you were just seeing the history of wrestlemania through america the beautiful and i just thought this is really good i really like it then we had the wrestlemania interest intro video swashbuckling theme and then the comedy voiceover the the comedy british voiceover um which kind of did a meta breakdown of a movie trailer kind of thing wasn't really for me, but again, something a little bit different, I suppose. I can't argue too much. Jack to be, Sparrow, he's not. <laughs> no, but to be honest, by this point, all I'm looking for is something different. I don't care if it's particularly good, to be honest, because the, the, I was just getting so fed up of the, the same old, same old, and I've watched every single WrestleMania now up to this point, and I've seen what they do with the video. So doing something a little different is fine by me. You mean the voiceover
3: guy doing something like immortality? The night where legends are made.
2: Yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> then there's a light show bathing the Performance Center, and we get the host of WrestleMania, Rob Gron- Gronkowski. He introduces his good friend Mojo Rawley to help host, and these two are a bit much.
3: <laughs> <laughs> really? You, you mean you're not hyped up to, to do this show?
2: No, not really, no. and And uh, maybe it was a good choice at the time, because of the fact that everybody's sort of indoors all the time. I can't remember it being a good choice at the time, and it wasn't a good choice for me now, put it that way. Yeah. We have two commentary teams for the night, Michael Cole and JBL for SmackDown, Tom Phillips and Byron Saxton for Raw. Now, maybe you can help me with this map, because I can't remember. First of all, there's no Corey Graves. Was he ill But he got COVID? Do you know, I, I can't remember myself, actually, no. be interesting to know if, he, if that's why he wasn't there, because... You know, Possibly. He would have had to have been there otherwise, wouldn't he? Yeah. And then also JBL, was he actually a regular for WWE at the time or did he come in specially for this?
3: I think he came in specially. I don't I don't remember him being a regular at this point. I think he would long since been done.
2: Yeah. Okay, fine. That makes sense. I'm Just having a quick look on Wikipedia, because there's a thing here about changes in participation. Yeah. Okay. So Roman Reigns, who was, in, was at an increased risk, for, sorry, increased risk for COVID due to being in an increased Immunocompromised state From his previous struggles With leukemia Immunocompromised Was that word Matt. <laughs> I couldn't I didn't expect To get my tongue Around that word, But uh, just about Managed to So Goldberg Stepped in for him That was the place Roman Reigns Was supposed to be in Andra, Andrade Was replaced by us In theory Don't know why That would be For night two But you know, okay. I'm just talking Generally for this WrestleMania The Miz had contact, Contracted an illness and Was pulled from WrestleMania But didn't say If it's COVID or not and that's why the the there's a triple threat there was a triple threat singles match on this for the tag <laughs> team title. Dana Brooke was originally scheduled to be part of the SmackDown Women's Championship match, which is on night two as well. Rey Mysterio was reported to be in precautionary quarantine. Doesn't say anything about Corey Graves though. Don't know if he was uh if he was around or not. Um but interestingly, nothing about him. But he wasn't there, which I found interesting, I I assume. It was something to do with it. There's a lot um, of
3: people who couldn't get flights in that, I think, as well at the time and that and just couldn't Just couldn't get into, you know, couldn't get to the airports and stuff because they'd shut down as well.
2: The other thing they've got here is that um, Triple H confirmed that due to the circumstances, nothing would be held against any of the wrestlers who missed the event. He also stated that all of the talent competing were there in a voluntary capacity. But, you know, again, there's voluntary and then there's voluntary. Who knows? And this was also the first time since WrestleMania 23 that Triple H himself did not participate at WrestleMania. Oh, yeah. Didn't think of that. So then we get the opening match. Let's go through this and then we'll take a break, Matt. It's for the women's tag team title. It's the Kabuki Warriors versus Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross. Uh, this one ends when Bliss hits the Twisted, Bliss, fo- sorry, Twi- Bliss, hits Twisted <laughs> Bliss for the win. And they take the victory, Cross in, and Alexa Bliss. The commentators in particular focus on this as being a major victory for Nikki Cross, who was at her first WrestleMania at the time. What did you think of this, man?
3: I forgot that Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross were even a tag team. All those, you know, to, to be fair, I, I forgot about Oscar and Kyrie Sane as well, being a tag team. Of course, they were called the Kabuki Warriors. Again, because like this was the first match of the show, it, it did take me a little bit of time just to to sort of get used to the, just the fact that it was quiet. Um I, I'm going to try my very best as, as we go on throughout the show to not talk about lack of crowd because it's everywhere, so just it's almost like I just need to get used to it. But, but it did certainly take a bit of time. I, I know we talked about, you know, like sort of... You know entrances and they're like you know (laughs) the wrestlers coming out doing their pose to nobody there, uh which just just, I just find hilarious. Nikki was, I I suppose she was as she would have been if there was a crowd there. She was quite animated and and certainly her character was meant to be the the crazy sort of over the top animated. But I just found it odd, you know, (laughs) in the sense of you know like she's screaming every five minutes and I'm like. To no one, it just it's just one of those, you know, and like we said, they they were probably told, you know, work as if there's a crowd there, which, OK, I suppose that's why she did it. I, I found that Oscar and Kyrie Sane were screaming quite a lot, just random stuff for some reason, which was a bit odd. But like, as, as far as a match goes, I mean, to be fair to them, I think by the end of it, it, it was actually pretty decent and, and better than I expected. And there was some good near falls you know, there was a good, some good tag team moves from the Kabuki Warriors. It was like sort of a Doomsday Device powerbomb type um, combo to Nikki Cross, which was really good. And then, like I said, you know, uh, you know, Alexa Bliss hit the Twisted Bliss and they won the tag titles, which there being no crowd pop again was just very odd. So, you know, but hey, you know, they won. I'm sure they were happy. But for, for an open, I was, you know, for this show, for what, what it, was, it, it was, it was a decent start.
2: So I went on a on the opposite journey to you Matt I didn't get used to the crowd not being there ever like it just it, all, it always brought it down so for me watching this match was the most I enjoyed there being no crowd because it was a novelty for this match and I remember feeling exactly the same when I watched it the first time I, watching this match I was like oh this is weird but i'm it's quite interesting it's quite a novelty this is quite, it's quite what's different I don't you know really really interesting and you're right they they try and make up for the lack of ground noise a lot they are very loud through this match the four wrestlers they really do talk a lot Go, going back to my point really about seth rollins getting it spot on i thought these these four women were a little bit over the top in terms of how much noise they made and how much they tried to convey through speaking to each other or shouting each other or whatever but saying that I thought this was a really good match i thought this was a really really good match and i think it what it hammered home to me there were actually only two women's matches on the first night of this wrestlemania but it hammered home to me i remember we watched swore number 2021 for this podcast we did it a week after it happened and we all commented on how rich and varied the women's division seemed to be at that point of course after that they had loads of releases in 2021 and another load in 2022. And they ripped out so much of that variety and so much of that volume that was in that women's division. We spoke about it, Matt, when I was talking about when we talk about Royal Rumble, whether there should be a women's Rumble every year. For me, when you've got a roster that size, yes, you can have a women's Rumble every year. No problem at all. It's not the fact that there's a the women's Rumble. It's the fact that WWE have done a shit job building that roster. That 2021 Rumble was, was great because the the women's division just for me looked like a really interesting exciting varied thing and it reminded me when i watched this of of that the fact that they could have a 2 on 2 tag team match with these four women in it and have two other title matches for the other rule titles i think there's possibly even a there's, there's other i think there's another match or two on on the on the next show there's an nxt title match as well isn't there so there's three women's titles matches plus the team title match said to me wow this was a really in-depth women's roster at the time It had a lot of depth to it, it still had you know at the time had sasha for example in 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 the roster you still had you said naomi you still had all of these women i i just it really hammered home to me that they really kind of ripped it apart in 2021 i know like it, it was only at the fringes but there was such a volume of people they got rid of that it that it kind of really limited their options in the future for me but at this time it felt like they actually had a women's roster really worth shouting about
3: they, they, they did um like i said it's I, I can't I can believe because I was a big fan of Kairi Sane as well, and I can't believe I forgot about her. But you know she, she was there, like I said, her and Oscar uh, were, were a really good team, and they did they had you know they had a cracking
2: women's roster, absolutely. Right, Tom's just about getting back, and he's getting back just in time for us to be uh, to go for a break. But before we oh, go for a, oh. bef- before we go for a break, Tom, get, let's get your thoughts on the opener, the Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross against the Kabuki Warriors match. Yeah, I
1: thought it was decent. My my highlight of the match was um, Alexa Bliss pulling Kyrie Sane up by a hair. And the referee telling her off, and I go, "Oh, sorry, old habits die hard," because she used to be a heel, and now she's a baby face. But that was a lovely little touch. But you know, I thought it was an absolutely fun, fun match. I thought it was decent. Didn't really know much about Kyrie Sane to be perfectly honest until you know she popped up in the War Games match <laughs> earlier earlier uh, this week at the time of recording. So yeah, I thought it was I thought it was a really fun opener, and uh, yeah, it was it was a good match. Always good to see. Nick Nikki Cross as well. You know, British girl done well. I've never never understood Nikki Cross. Well, well because of the
2: accent. <laughs> That's true. I like Nikki Cross in the sense that I think that the, I think that she was part of that for me, that variation we talked about. So you've got Women of different sizes, Nikki Cross is quite small. So that's really, you know, in a different way as well. Alexa Bliss is quite small, but in a different way to Nikki Cross. But then on top of that, she's also, she had a character, she had a character, it was quite one dimensional. It was, you know, it wasn't like, it wasn't really multi-dimensional, but how many wrestling characters truly are multi-dimensional? Let's be fair. And, you know, going back to that Royal Rumble 2021 match, as they came out, it was really clear what kind of character that they were like it it and you just and I was like wow every single person is coming out it felt like a little bit maybe a little bit better but a little bit like wWF was in the mid 90s when Everything was super one dimensional. Like you could go, oh, there's the tax man, there's the, dump, the bin man, you know, was all these these different things, but in a much better way, like, oh, here's the person who's mad. Here's the person who's this really tough, grizzled fighter. He's, here's the one that's kind of a little bit punk rock, like Ruby Riot would come out, for example. And you'd be like every single person, you'd be like, there's, there's just a really clearly defined who they are, really simple idea of who they are. And that's why I quite like Nikki Cross, because again, they, they just gave her quite a simple, You're a bit you're a bit mad. You know, you're a bit mad, basically. I th- so I think it worked quite well. And I, yeah, that's why I kind like Nikki Cross. But fair play to it. I think I wonder as well whether they did this for Nikki Cross, because in the main event, of course, Drew McIntyre in WrestleMania of, the, of, the, of night two, Drew McIntyre is going to win the main event. But yeah, so I wonder if that was a, like a top and tail you got a Scottish woman in the in the first match, and then you get a Scottish man win the main event in the last match of the night, too.
3: But for, for me, there's, there's a very simple reason for, for not liking Hickey Cross. She reminds me of Scrappy-Doo, and I fucking hate Scrappy-Doo.
1: I, w- I wasn't expecting Matt to shoot on
3: Scrappy-Doo
1: <laughs> today at the <laughs> beginning of this recording. Oh, did no. you guys, I'm assuming you guys spoke about the video package. Do you know who the Brits was who did the comedic voiceover? No. I could oh, not I fucking find out for life, and I really recognised the voice. I thought it might have been the guy who plays Stephen Toast, but I don't think it is him.
2: I Matt, don't know who Stephen Matt, Toast is.
1: Matt something, Matt something. He was in um, Garth Murray's Dark Place and um, a few other things. I can't remember the cut's name.
3: Listeners, tweet us the answer.
1: Well, Matt Berry. Yes, Matt Berry. Yeah.
2: No, it wasn't him. No. Shorter well, short, wasn't him
1: mm. I mean I did go onto his wiki page and wrote WWE <laughs> nothing <laughs> up on that no I
2: don't think it was him um, no I would like to know though now you've said it I don't think it was anyone famous that's the thing no I, just,
3: I, I, I think it was just some sort of random I put it on a shitty British accent I really I really re- I really recommended the, the accent that was the thing
1: R- like, you re-
2: recommended the
1: accent <laughs> yeah
2: yeah, yeah everybody's like, like him. Him. for our listeners the, Tom's just got a bottle of beer out but he hasn't yet taken a sip and he's already not able to say the words he's meant to say.
1: <laughs> no, I, I yeah, I couldn't figure out who it was. It was really annoying me. Also, I love the fact that like Seth Rollins is like fighting a squid <laughs> and Drew McIntyre is fighting a crab. Loved all that.
2: Right. We're going to take a break there. We'll come back and cover the rest of the show in order until we finish it.
0: Cheers. Ladies and gentlemen, here to see America the Beautiful. Please join me in welcoming five-time Grammy
2: OK, welcome back. So the next thing on the show is that Kayla Braxton, I originally wrote Charlie Caruso, but it is Caleb Braxton, I believe, interviews Sami Zayn with Cesaro and Shinsuke Nakamura. And I will say that the reason I get them mixed up is both of them have that very powerful neck with a very, <laughs> very specific talking style, which is like incredibly over exaggerated, like Mauro Ronaldo, but in female form, basically, like they're, just, yeah. they're exactly the same.
1: Was it Charlie Caruso, the old man said, had the neck of a goat? <laughs>
2: I think so. Possibly. Yeah, Yeah. possibly so. Anyway, she's with Cesaro, Shinsuke Nakamura, and Sami Zayn. Sami Zayn, the great liberator, as he's known at the time. He says there is nothing inevitable about his match with Daniel Bryan. As people say, it's inevitable Bryan's going to win. That's about it. All he says here. Any thoughts on the promo? It's perfectly fine.
1: Like, Sami Zayn's Zayn's a perfectly good promoer. Doesn't say anything. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) A promoist. But he he delivers his promo well, as, as you would expect him to. You know what I mean? But that
3: that's it. That's it. It's standard fare, I think. Other than referring to his group as the Artist Collective, which I never remembered and was like, what is that?
2: Yeah, I think it's a shame because I, I when I saw this, having not again having not seen anything else at the time, I thought this is great. Look at those three in a in a stable. Called cool, the Artist Collective. He looks like Fidel Castro, and he's called the Great Liberator. It's amazing. It's really cool, but. Yeah, nothing seemed to come of it.
1: No. no, and it's three three pretty good wrestlers as well. Do you know what I mean? And with like you could have like Sami Zayn as like the mouthpiece, couldn't you? And you could have Cesaro as the muscle, and and Nakamura as the wild card, which I imagine were the roles they were probably put into. Yeah, it could have been could have been quite fun.
2: Then there's an advert for www.shop.com. and then Shana Baszler shown warming up backstage. Yeah, it's punching nothing. Then. Baron Corbin comes out and says he has arrived at WrestleMania and Elias is nowhere to be found because, as we are shown, he was attacked on SmackDown by Corbin and pushed from a balcony 15 feet to the concrete below, apparently.
1: I like the fact that you see the view back up at Barry Corb's as if you're Elias. And I was like, oh, that's quite cinematic.
2: Quite enjoyed that. Yeah, I mean, like they were just playing with stuff, weren't they? They were like, we've got no crowd, so we may as well just just do what yeah. we want. They can they can do everything like. they want in post-production, so it doesn't matter. Baron Corbin then demands that the ref raises his hand in victory by forfeit. Then Elias's guitar is strummed, and he comes out. The fight starts in the aisle, Elias hits Corbin with the guitar and throws Corbin into the ring and the match begins. Elias versus King Corbin or Baron Corbin, whichever one you want to call him. This is a eight and nine minute match and ends when Corbin argues with the referee after he thought he should have got a free count. And then Elias rolls him out from behind and gets the pin. Matt, what did you think of this?
3: Now, this is an interesting match for me because you touched on it earlier when you said that you felt that Seth Rollins is one of the guys who benefited from not being the crowd and, and doing the most with it. And while you were talking about that, the guy who sprung to mind for me was Baron Corbin of all people. I actually felt that of all the people on the show, he was the one who really stood out for me of making the most of there being an audience. His interactions with Michael Cole, with the ref, I felt were really strong. Even, like, some of the basic moves that he did in the match were quite snug, and I felt he, you know, he really laid them in because he probably knew, you know, that there's nobody here. i going to have to do my best, you know, for, for for TV to really lay some stuff in. I felt this was, of all Baron Corbin's performances, I, I felt this was actually one of his best. And I was pleasantly surprised. Now that's not to say it was the match of the year or anything like that. It, it was it was perfect, perfectly fine. But like I said, as far as a Baron Corbin performance goes, I actually thought this was all right, and I quite enjoyed it.
1: Tom. There's nothing in the way of good wrestling in this match. Um, Tinky, I remember you a long time ago saying WWF is a, uh, a kick-punch promotion and nothing embodies that more than this match. Um, there's no wrestling in it. It's a bit of a slugfest. But I thought, again, it was absolutely fine. Would I watch this match ever again? No. But for nine minutes in, in this match, it's, absolute, it's absolutely fine. Nothing more than that. I did think to myself with Elias... I do wonder if in a different era with a different gimmick he could have been something because he's got a cracking look. I mainly talk about his physique. He's got a wonderful physique, as it lies. Proper, like, it made me think of, like, 80. well, basically, he looks like he's on roids. <laughs> so he make, made me think of proper, like, 80s style, like, wrestlers, like your Herculeses. He's not quite as big as that, but, like, your kind of mid-card Texas tornado-y kind of, like, things. And I reckon, in a, in a different era, back in the 80s, he could, have, he could have been something. But unfortunately for him, uh, it's not, and he wasn't. And he's just some git with a guitar. Gits are, if you will. But yeah, I thought it was absolutely fine. I was no, I'm not expecting much out of this, and it, I would say it probably actually surpassed my expectations slightly.
2: I haven't got a lot to say about it. I don't think it, it surpassed my expectations, but it didn't also live down to the worst the floor that it could have hit. <laughs> uh, potentially, it was fine. It was it was passed. You know, I was glad it did pass. And by I, I was as I was saying to you, Matt. You know, the 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 novelty very quickly wore off of the no crowd during this match. Like the first match I was, like, oh, this is this is weird. It just feels so strange. It's kind of like. I don't really know how to feel about it into this match. like, Oh yeah, this is how I feel about it. It's really difficult. And I think matches like this in particular, which even if there was a crowd, I'd struggle to pay attention to when there's a crowd, if something interesting happens, they pop and it snaps you out of your kind of, Oh, I was, I was daydreaming and I wasn't even really paying attention to this. When there is no crowd, you don't get that. So you just miss, miss the whole thing. Basically you're like, it happened. I saw things, but I can't remember any of it. It was just there, and it didn't do anything. And and that's how I felt. It it was fine, but you know, it wasn't bad enough for me to go, oh, I'm interested because this is terrible. But it wasn't good enough for me to actually pay attention. <laughs> then we had an advert for SuperCard Season Six WWE Mobile Game.
1: I am far too fucking old understand the concept but behind this matt you're a bit younger than me can you
2: I've, I've played it i've played supercard when it was first out like really not season six i mean i'm probably season one and it's basically just top trumps but with a story like a slight story where you can build you can like collect cards and then play against okay. it. other people that's basically what it is uh-huh. it's 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 not very good <laughs> then there's a hype video For the next match, Becky Lynch beating all challengers until Shayna Baszler arrives on the main roster and attacks her, including biting the back of Lynch's neck is strange. Mm. Baszler then destroying the field of Elimination Chamber and earning herself a title shot versus Ninja WrestleMania. Becky attacking Baszler on Raw with a chair and Baszler beating up Becky in retaliation. I'm going to tear, I'm pretty sure, she says, I'm going to tear the living shit out of you, bitch. Yes, yes she does. <laughs> she, she did say that, yeah. yeah. And bitch is probably the word of the night, I would suggest on this <laughs> WrestleMania, because it is said by nearly everybody at some point during the show.
1: Yeah, they love a good bitch. Well,
2: bitch. And it's well, always
1: well, like overly pointed as well, isn't it? It's like Tinky, you're having a swig of that beer, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's never like it's never like never like, oh stop being a little bitch do you know what I mean yeah. <laughs> like, it's, always, it's always like really badly punctuated the video package was pretty generic but I thought that neck biting spot was fucking gruesome yeah it was like proper grim yeah. I was like Jesus I know we're not in the PGR anymore but you don't see blood that often and it was like for it to be used in that angle in that way I thought it was really grim Like if, I'm not going to lie if I saw that happen in AW I'd be shitting all over it so I was like very much like Ugh. and I don't know what went through my mind when I was writing my notes because I wrote was this blazer first match when I've just seen that she's obviously been in the Elimination Chamber so I don't know where I don't have no idea where that was coming from I thought this match was pretty good I really liked Blazer's intensity She was just like, looks like an absolute killer in there. And obviously Becky Lynch wins by doing a variation of the Bret Hart Sleeper roll-up. So what what is there to to dislike about it? I did think it was over pretty quickly, though. I thought they could have done with an extra five minutes because it it seemed to kind of end out of nowhere. But I I thought it was, um, I thought this match was pretty, pretty
2: damn good. Yeah, it was shorter than the elias King goran match, eight and a half yeah. minutes. And yes, Becky wins by rolling back as Basil has the choke locked in on Becky a Brett versus Piper and Austin at Survivor Series 96. I too thought this was a really good match. I thought they, they did a really good job. It looked pretty brutal. Baszler was properly laying in her shots and I think Becky was too. I thought it was... chained did some really cool power moves as well. They weren't executed perfectly, but I always quite like that. Always quite like a a, a slightly... Not perfect looking move, especially if it's kind of in a in a a match which feels like a fight. It just increases the feel that it is just a fight. Like if you again, if you watch a, God, we talked a lot about MMA on this show, but if you if you watch an MMA fight, if they do a suplex, it's not. It doesn't look like a really good suplex. It looks like a fucking like chore, a really hard thing to do, and it's really messy. But therefore, it looks real to kind of get get that feeling from it sometimes when they when that sort of thing happens and this is one of those matches where it looked good that they did it not perfectly if you see what i mean this was right up there it's one of the best matches on the show for me
3: I, I, I agree, guys. I, I think this was a good match. I, I, I gotta admit, I didn't like the biting of her neck thing. For me, it was just it, it was a little too cartoony. I don't think of shana as a vampire, put it that way, which to me is, is kind of how it came across, just a little too cartoony, which is a shame because they did a
0: cracking
3: job with her in that elimination chamber. I can't remember who her opponents were in it, but she went through every one of them, so that that was really well done. She had a fantastic run on NXT. And I think I think this might have been yeah just a second sort of main roster uh, you know sort of pay per view and it was good you know it did have a, that sort of a you know sort of fight feel about it you know they were both trying to counter to each other's you know submissions which is tends to be sort of more MMA oriented than than anything else um it was good I and I, I'm not just saying this because I'm not gonna lie I didn't realize it was a it was a Bret Hart type finish but guess what. I fucking hated the finish. Because uh, <laughs> for me, you know, the whole point—I I can see what they were trying to get at—but the point of, you know, is meant to be the expert of putting on, you know, you know, sort of finishing submission, and I'd like to think that as the expert of that, she should know. Well, maybe not. Well, maybe not. Well, maybe not all the counters out of it. But you'd like to think that if she's an expert in that hold, she should be an expert in the counters to it as well. So for Becky to kind of get the one up on her by quickly getting the roll up, I I don't think that was the way to go. But
2: that's fine though because that makes sense because Brett was the submission expert at the time and he can he was the one doing the countering. So I'm I'm happy with that critique of it if I'm honest.
1: I want to circle back to Sheena B's there blazer sorry being a vampire because i loved that i loved it after after she did that she was like you know i got a fucking taste of this and then like came back with like a big cloak on you know the big high thing around the neck you know, i'd have been i've been bang up for shana blazer the vampire <laughs> as like a holy water match or a garlic on a garlic bulb on a pole match or something <laughs> like that it would have been incredible god
2: it, it would have fit some of the things they did during the pandemic era so yeah you know, fair enough then we get an advert for the Undertaker's documentary, The Last Ride, which is actually pretty decent. I remember watching it shortly after. I think I watched one episode of it and thought it was all right, and then just didn't watch anymore. There but were bit, better episodes. On.
1: Yeah. It's really good. Didn't make me think I'll go back to it. It's Obviously, it's got the, uh, the no, classic bit of Vince doing the cut the camera motion oh. while tearing up which has become one of my favourite memes because there's one there's one that was like Dad, tell us tell us about what it was like to go out on the beers with the boys and he's just, there going, the so good I'm so sick of that cut
2: the camera.
3: <laughs> so funny, I love it on, I'm sure go. that was from the Andre the Giant documentary though
2: anyway was I it? think it
3: was I
1: think it yeah. was,
2: yeah
3: What, what the, the
1: The HBO yeah, the, one Yeah, the HBO, the David Shoemaker
2: one Okay Next up is the Intercontinental title match between Sami Zayn and Daniel Bryan. A match that goes for just over nine minutes and it ends when Sami Zayn hits a helluva kick for the win. Tom? Who the fuck's Drew Gulag? (laughs) Who the hell is this (laughs) cloak? Jugulak was a, um, Black. I, I think I have seen him wrestle in No West. I've got Love a feeling. Stuff. I think I've seen him wrestle in No West. He's in NXT. I think he still is in NXT. And he was in NXT for a while. Before coming onto the main roster he's kind of my in understanding is he's kind of like a technical wrestler like that's his right. thing he's kind of like a straight technical wrestler and i'm pretty certain sure i saw him in no west in a technical wrestling match against somebody else that was relatively well known and i can't remember who they were but yeah that's who he is that's really okay. what i've got <laughs> um, he,
3: he might have been in the cruiserweight classic as well i can't remember oh I think, yeah i think him and Brian are friends.
1: Yeah, he looks little. So that makes sense.
3: there's <laughs> a lot of uh,
1: mucking about. He said the match is nine minutes. I reckon a good two and a half minutes of that is mucking around from Sami Zayn at the beginning, which I kind of understand because he's a heel and he doesn't want to get in the match and he keeps delaying and so on and so forth. But if you're only really working for nine minutes, I think you need to economise your time a little bit better than the way they do it in this match. The match is kind of a bit strange because there's what the fuck happened to my voice then? The match is kind of strange because basically kind of Daniel O'Brien's beating the shit out of Sami Zayn for the majority of the match. There's a few little moments of Sami Zayn getting some offense in, but it's generally just Daniel Bryan beating him. And Sami Zayn wins out of kind of nowhere with a halluva kick to Daniel Bryan when he comes off the top rope. And this kind of, that's it. And, and I was left a little bit disappointed by this match because I rate both wrestlers very highly and I wanted a bit more. Now, it's interesting what you said earlier, Tiki, about the you not getting like the close kind of pinfalls you know, last minute count outs. You're not getting that drama from any of these matches. And I dare say if they had a crowd at this event and they had this match lined up, they could have had a longer match and a much more of a dramatic match than they did in this instance. But I think this match probably more so than most of the other matches really suffered from that lack of a crowd. And therefore it kind of just came and went and yeah, I was a little bit, I was left feeling a little bit like, They'd missed the trick a little
3: bit. It's funny you say this, Tom, that uh, you know you, you felt like you know say it was one nine minutes and they were running around for two and a half. For me, it felt like it was a nine minute match and they were running around for eight minutes. Uh, you know that that sort of delayed start, I was like, dear God, just get on with it. It, it just went on and on and on and on. That, like that put a bit of a sour note on it for me, which took me a couple of minutes to to initially get over. Which you know, but by the time I felt the thing started heating up, I was like, oh, the match is over. I was like, oh, for two guys like Daniel Bryan and, and Sami Zayn, I had, you know, quite high expectations when I initially was watching this and was expecting quite a lot from both. And I, I don't feel it lived up to it. After they did, the, you know, the initial sort of shenanigans, I mean, I felt Bryan was trying to do the you know, sort of shooter stuff when he, I mean, he was really laying in, you know, his chops and you know, slaps to the face and stuff like that. So, um, you know, that, that, that was different, but the finish kind of came out of nowhere. way. It, I know it was meant to be the, you know, halluva kick, but it didn't, for me, it didn't come across like that. It just like a bit of a weak kick. I was like, oh, that's it.
1: Yeah, I agree with you 100% with that with the finish because it wasn't a Huluva kick because the Huluva kick, he has the momentum and runs into the corner. This yeah. was just a standard, that finish was just a stand, stand, bog-standard boot to anyone yeah. that happens in every
3: single match. I was like, oh, it's over. Thanks, thanks. <laughs> so yeah, this, this was a bit of a disappointment, unfortunately.
2: Yeah, I didn't mind the, the delaying at the start. I thought that was fine. I'm quite a fan of that. But again, another thing where I feel like it, that would play much better in front of a crowd because the crowd would be getting annoyed and you would be, be riding them up and all kinds of stuff. And what they did for the sort of six minutes that they did actually wrestle was actually really good. Spot on. Loved it. But then it ended really quick and really out of nowhere. And you're left thinking like, this could have been so much more. Why? Did they end it so surprisingly early? I was it was good while it lasted. I, I could have easily had another ten minutes of this, no problem at all. And again, it feels like one of those things that not only is a missed opportunity on the night, but had it been in front of a crowd, would it have been even, you know, a bigger deal. This could have been one of those absolutely classic WrestleMania matches for me. It made me think
1: of the match between Sami Zayn and Nakamura, and Nakamura's first match in NXT, mm-hmm. because they could have kind of rerun a similar match, because in some sense, they kind of do, because the majority of that Nakamura match, Sami Zayn is getting beaten down, but he's still, even though he's not a heel, the crowd are really into Nakamura. So they kind of, it made me think that this is what that match could have been. Like in the right, under the right conditions, you know, with the with the crowd there. And, and I understand you can't necessarily play on that emotion as much in front of no one. But it just, I just still felt there there was more they could have done. Like you said, the, the six minutes that they're working is good. It's very good, but this is not enough of it.
2: What one thing also that stuck out during this match was that I said two weeks ago when we did WrestleMania thirty five that it really pissed me off that Brian had been turned heel, especially as they then turned in babyface again for the next year. Like that's just stupid. That's just ridiculous. Like bad booking. It's the kind of thing I expect from AEW if I'm honest. And this the way brian acted in the middle of this match where he was just super serious like just pissed off beating up kicking the shit out of Sami zayn i was like this is the babyface they should have pivoted to after they got over the nostalgia of the yes movement at, at wrestlemania 34 they should have just pivoted straight to this character of daniel Bryan, because this this would have been fucking cool and i always felt as the character they should have played as a baby face like once they got through the yes stuff and loved it but it was so brief <laughs> it was just such <laughs> shame
1: that's what i thought we were getting when he turned up in aew and then he disappeared so far up his own ass that we never really got Probably a just, truly it just, just, beca- just version of it that
2: became a heel he became a heel which made no sense like two months into his run became a heel it was stupid
1: yeah but then there's that match rim and fucking that bloke who no one's ever heard of for like wanking each other off the entire match you know what i mean like i'm like fuck off mina t's, mina t's. <laughs> mina savari no she's an Italian football journalist. <laughs> Minot-
2: you're thinking Minoru Suzuki. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, right. yeah. Who, who lots of people. Sorry, Minoru Suzuki. who Lots of people have heard of. No doubt, but, but just not a mainstream wrestling audience have heard of. And in fairness, it? it was on YouTube, so it's not like a big deal. But I'm going to
1: walk around. I'm going to walk around and be like, "If you heard of Minoru Suzuki, just the people <laughs> in the street." And I guarantee you, no one will see him.
2: Ask him if they've heard Daniel Bryan. You'll get
3: okay,
1: so, a better so, response. A sure, of course you will. Of
2: course you will. But you neither will be particularly high proportion, will they? <laughs>
3: so, you know, I God, this is on a totally random sort of side note, but very briefly, I don't know if any of you guys have been watching *I'm a Celebrity* get me out of here. Probably not, but um, yeah, but, but these are a horse racing, or there's a jockey on there by the name of Frankie Dottori. Yeah. The,
2: the, I love the way he said that, as if no one would know who Frankie de is. One of the most famous sports people of all time.
3: I have been going around and asking everybody, who the fuck is Frankie de
2: And everyone was able to tell you because he's no, incredibly I've had, famous. I've, had
3: mixed resp- I've had mixed responses. Mostly people know who he is, but I was like, who the fuck is that guy? Uh, no I... I, I guess it's a difficult. I guess there's a slight. How old are you, Matt? Uh, 33. 33. So there's a slight, slight. It'd be like,
1: do you know who Chris Akabusi is? Yes.
2: Okay. I think it's a do. similar. I think it's a similar level of fame. I would suggest for the two. Yeah. Of them.
1: Yeah, it's a so. But Chris Genuinely,
2: Harkins. I mean, I can't stand horse racing. I absolutely loathe it. In fact, mm. but everybody knows the fucking he is. <laughs> He's a chef, isn't he? <laughs> oh,
3: like n- never you'd have been, never seen him till the show. But yeah, that just reminded me of that.
2: That's anyway, that's did isn't he getting paid shitloads loads of money for it? Like I saw on the, on the front page of the Sun or something, like a hundred million something. It was, what? Uh, <laughs> Something ridiculous, some ridiculous amount of money they're paying in to do it. To be
1: fair, they'd have to pay me that money to hang out with fucking Farage. Ooh, yeah. political. <laughs>
2: <laughs> might not be political, you might just really dislike his personality.
1: Yeah, that's true. So right, let's talk about Palestine for a little bit, shall we? <laughs> <laughs>
2: So next up we get WWE community advert, lovely. Then we get the strange, then we get the strange match. One of the strange matches tonight. It'll be interesting to know what you feel about this. There's the uh, SmackDown Tag Team Title match, which is a triple threat singles match. For that, themselves. <laughs> I mean, given that they could, they, they had, to, they had injuries. You know, we talked about potentially the Miz being ill at some point during this period. They could have just got rid of the tag team titles as a thing and just had this for I don't know money or something in a briefcase or something you yeah, just anything oh, like anything
1: speaking of money right there was something that annoyed me going back to the Kevin Owens match
2: I thought we were going back to Palestine for a second yeah. <laughs> right.
1: let me tell you let me, you guys want to hear the truth um, no. the Kevin Owens thing you guys an old man especially was very about Wrestlemania 35 was very much uh, kept bringing up Wrestlemania moments I hated that Kevin Owens kept going on about his Wrestlemania moment he's supposed to be a prize fighter refer to your Wrestlemania paycheck That'd be better. And my winner's purse. Do you know what I mean? Like, don't talk about your WrestleMania moment. Don't get so so fucking stupid and and toe the company line, because that's not what your character is. Your character isn't about having the greatest wrestling matches. It's about being a prize fighter and winning fights. And that's what you should have done.
2: I agree with you broadly, but maybe in his case, I feel like he was saying his WrestleMania moment was winning a match at WrestleMania. I did feel like he was talking about winning, but I still, I still agree. I still think he should, he should have been talking about his paycheck. But anyway, the other thing about Kevin Owens, obviously, is he had his KO Mania 4 t-shirt on oh, for
1: this show. I, I really regret not buying all of those. Like getting <laughs> I imagine Abbey you could still
2: do it somewhere. Chronologically. I probably
1: could, but I can't be bothered. Doing a, doing a one-time transaction once a year seems a lot easier than going and backdating them.
2: Fine. So, yeah, where are we? So, yeah, Kev, Kofi Kingston, Jimmy Uso, and John Morrison, Triple Threat, ladder match for the WWE Smackdown tag team titles this one ended when they fight on top of the ladder and all grab the belt so they then take it off the ceiling hook and then uh, Morrison uh, sort of falls off the ladder and the titles go with him and he basically wins as a consequence I'll tell you right now how I felt about this match because I've written it here in scrawled handwriting I'm basically asleep right now <laughs> I struggled to stay awake. What I saw did very little for me. That's how I felt about this. But it was quite late, and I was I was desperate need of sleep, and I was falling asleep all the way through. And I was like, I can barely read any of my handwriting because it's like when you when you're falling asleep and you're also writing, it's like the most labored writing you'll ever do (laughs) in your life. So like, yeah, this was a forgotten 20 minutes for me. (laughs) Matt, what did you think?
3: You've hit the nail on the head there, saying that it's you know sort of forgotten 20 minutes. I mean, you guys have probably heard wrestlers say it before there. You know, every wrestler has, like, a bump card. And there's only so many bumps that, you know, that they have throughout their career. And I couldn't help but think of that during this match. Because it's like, you're doing stuff onto ladders in front of no one. There's a time and a place. And if ever there was a time and a place for there not to be a ladder match, this was it. There was just no need for it. And at first, for the first half... They, they weren't really taking like sort of massive, you know, sort of ladder bumps and stuff like that. So I was OK with it. But, you know, then they did start to do some stuff with it. You know, there, there was some nasty ladder shots like I, I can't remember what it was, but one of them had it like thrown into their face at one point, you know, landing on it. Kofi was trying to do some stuff and it's just like, oh, j- there's absolutely no need for it. The idea of it being a triple threat, you know, singles for the tag titles. And yeah, I'm totally going to let that go. Because of the whole COVID thing, yeah, that's whatever. That, that's fine. I'll accept that. It, it wasn't that great anyway. It was. I don't think it was that good of a match. The finish was a bit. Oh yeah, I gotta be honest. The finish was a bit shit. Um, it's almost like John Morrison won kind of by default. Um, uh, you know, ooh, the, the the bells kind of fell into his lap, which is a bit bit shitty. But then I'm sure he was meant to be the heel, so uh, okay. And the only other sort of side note that I, I just do have to kind of put out there is that uh, I tell you what. They've done a hell of a job with the Usos over the last year or so, because watching them now and watching, you know, watching them back then, I was thinking it it felt like, ooh, one of the Usos, they should be higher up the card. And I I can't say I would have thought that. So fair play to them, but there you
1: go. I did think that, actually. And I also, about your your bump card thing, I I feel exactly, exactly the same. I wrote, imagine putting your body through this in front of no one. Do you know what I mean? It must have been like, fuck's sake. The, the, I've got many notes, but obviously they talk a lot about John Morrison's parkour style. Oh God. And it just made me think of that cold open in the office, the American office, when Andy, Dwight, <laughs> and Michael are just going, parkour, parkour. 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 <laughs> it's like jumping around like just doing forward rolls in the office and stuff like that it's amazing this made me think of that so I can't I can't slag this match off too much because it made me think of the <laughs> office like when the match ended I was like I felt I was disappointed as I would be, had I left the house 30 minutes removed from having a dump and been too far away from home and realised, <laughs> shit, I need a rewipe. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? that, was, that was the feeling I got towards it. And I was like, this is a really crap ending. And at the end, JBL goes, a classic, Mago. And I was like, oh, fuck off, you cunt. On the Uso of it all, it's Jimmy, isn't it, who's in this match. And it's something I've grown to appreciate a lot recently. But I love that they sing their own theme music. And it's something I only noticed quite recently. <laughs> it's them. It's them doing it. And it's tremendous. It's absolutely tremendous. I love that. Down soon to day one-ish. And it's just them, which is, which is glorious. <laughs> it's just them. It's just yeah. them. <laughs> Who knew they had such talent? <laughs> But yeah, this is an awful ladder match because you, like you said, Tinky, you don't get any moments where the crowd can kind of get you out of the your kind of malaise throughout the match when there is a big spot because there's nothing in there that you haven't seen already. There's pretty good, it's like I've written Kofi's springboard hurricane runner spot is pretty good. So I think he kind of like does a slingshot And I think John Morrison is on the ladder and he kind of does a hurricane run off the ladder or something like that, which is, I wrote, it's great. I can't really remember it. And I've just kind of guessed what I think it was. So it couldn't have been that great. (laughs) Um, But no, it's just, no, I I was like I wasn't interested in this in the slightest.
2: As I say, I've, uh, I've made my feelings perfectly clear on this one. I I did didn't I basically didn't stay awake for the for majority, or I was trying to stay awake for most of it anyway. And I couldn't agree more. I felt that way about all the ladder matches in the last few years of WrestleMania. Like they should just the bump card thing. Like yeah, why are you doing it? No one's going to remember this shit. No one's going to remember it tomorrow. And they do it A W. They do it ew, all over the world, quite frankly. And it's not worth it. It's simply not worth it unless you're doing it in like you know a really major thing that people are going to remember you know and it's going to be important to your career and to a story and to and to drawing money at some point never do it basically that's that's how i feel about this kind of thing what i did think they started off with like a sort of what i I would call a tna three-way match where they would Mm -hmm. like combining three-way moves and i was like i can live with this in this setting i think that might be the way to go here you've got no crowd you can just put on a ballet for us for like 10 yeah. minutes and and actually that will be fine in this setting and then they stopped and did the ladder stuff and i was like, right? Oh, yes, for, for about 30 seconds yeah
1: i can imagine it's extremely difficult to do for a prolonged amount of time it must, yeah, take it, it must be absolutely exhausting
2: because it was recorded they could have just done a sequence stopped planned another sequence, recorded it, stopped and then just edited it together with no problem at all.
1: Yeah, and I also think that there was a, we we discussed when we did WrestleMania 20 and there's the triple threat match in the main event between Shawn Michaels, Triple H and uh, and Chris Benoit and someone gets rammed into the ring, you know, into just like the ring apron like normal and then someone comes in and baseball slides that person in the back. You could do that kind of thing. It doesn't all have to be like really super acrobatic flippy stuff. they basically there's too much ladder in this ladder match isn't there yeah
2: no ladder would have been the optimum amount in this match so then we get a WWE network advert and after this the hype video for Rollins and Orton and their match uh, Rollins and Owen sorry in their match we've discussed that then an advert for WWE championship belts wweshop.com and then we're back to Rob Gronkowski and Mojo Rawley they're interrupted by R-Truth who's hiding from potential opponents for his 24-7 title he asks if he can chill out with them for a little while but they choose to attack him instead and then Mojo Rawley pins R-Truth for the belt you 24-7 champion Mojo Rawley uh, I get the impression Matt that you hate the 24-7 title
3: <laughs> I mean it was always a bit of a joke I, and yeah just whatever this was yeah it was just me what, what else can you say
2: but it but it is a joke isn't it that's the point it's supposed to be a joke no one's expecting you to take it seriously it's just a bit of fun
3: yeah I mean I, I must admit when they did the um, when R-Truth was doing the stuff with uh, oh, what was his name Drink Maverick and like you know like uh, crashing his wedding and yeah. you know beating him on the honeymoon winning the title but that, that i quite enjoyed i thought that was uh you know that, that was meant to you know meant to be taken the piss and so that was quite funny but yeah it took this face in the 24/7 title on a whole yeah like
1: I, I don't mind it it's there it's there to give some people some stuff to do and to kill a bit of time and that's absolutely fine I find it really funny that um obviously they never really had matches for this but people will talk about the hardcore championship as if it wasn't the exact same thing just done different slightly differently because of the era we'll hold it in much higher regard regard, but the yeah the, the 24-7 championship is, is absolutely fine it's, it's quite fun I think and I like that they, they have pushed a few boundaries with it because I can remember when Peter Rosenberg won it at the Royal Rumble 2021 I think and then lost it the next day on his radio show which is quite fun you know what I mean so just like move like try to do a bit be a bit more creative with it why not it's good good laugh
2: when you've got the network as well you know I mean a 24-7 tile works great because you can just you know release random things oh by the way update so and so is just lost the 24-7 title to so-and-so when they're driving on their way to the next show
1: like it's whatever it's a content
2: like, generator isn't it exactly,
1: exactly or they should they should always have like you know how obviously the TV title in like ECW stuff that was one that could only be defended on TV they should do like a, a Twitter title or something or like a YouTube title do you know what I mean where you can only have matches on YouTube or you know you can only get it if you can find like just why not be a bit more creative with it why not be a bit more avant-garde
2: I just I just say just keep it 24-7 title have someone be a hundred 73 times 24 7 champion That would that'd be great you know, be It's not about, it's not about it anymore is it i going finish I can't remember yeah. how we went away No idea no idea So then we get an advert for Drew McIntyre's Chronicle documentary about his road to Wrestlemania Then an advert for tomorrow night's main event Which is him against Brock Lesnar For the title Charlie Caruso is then interrupted By Paul Heyman sorry Matt is uh, celebrating I think Drew McIntyre because he's now his Favourite wrestler ever just because of last year I have no <laughs> idea why
3: Castle.
2: <laughs> Freak. Charlie <laughs> yeah. Crusoe is then interrupted by Paul Heyman, who cuts a promo on Drew McIntyre, advocating for Lesnar. It's as decent as ever. Not particularly stand that one, but it was it was pretty decent.
3: I really like this, and I just thought, God, he's he is really, you know, I know this, is, you know, hardly a revelation to anybody, but
2: whole Paul Heyman's
3: really good. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, that, I think that's my point. is why I said it's decent. Like it's in the grand scheme of Paul Heyman stuff, it's just decent, but it's typically very good.
3: Yeah, it, I, I just even in like a sort of quiet set. Like this, I was just thinking, Oh yeah, he's really good. <laughs> yeah, just yeah, and I like fair play to him, just just
2: the just the way he does. He's just yeah, he's just he's so good. <laughs> he is though an old school trained promo guy. He's not yeah. someone who you give a script to and he remembers no. the words and then says them. He's someone who basically they give the camera, they gives they give him Charlie Caruso. Charlie Caruso gives him the microphone and then he talks. And if he gets it wrong, he just says, Right, we're doing it again. Simple as that. And of course, this is recorded, so they can So he just goes they just he just does does as many takes as he needs to until he gets it spot on. But watch it and it's word for word perfect. And it reminded me of the Jim Cornette promos we yeah. I've celebrated massively on this podcast. You know I go back to the Mine, Heart and Soul of Survivor Series '93, uh, which I think is just one of the most awesome promos ever. Um, think that's incredible
1: about that promo is
2: the speed, speed. The fact that he doesn't doesn't get a word wrong, tells a story, sells the match. Everything is just unbelievably good. And that's Paul Heyman in general as well. He does he does exactly the same. Thing he's spot on, word perfect, sells the match, tells the story, everything. It's just magnificent. He's
1: wonderful. He's absolutely wonderful. I mean, I've got a little bit of, a, I feel a bit of a love, love hate relationship with Paul Hamer because I love him as an on screen character, especially now. But I hear some of the stories of the ECW days, and I think, oh God, you're an absolute cunt as well. At the same time, it's a bit, bit of a tough one i find but in terms of his actual talent as being a talker and on the microphone he's he's absolutely incredible and always has been
2: i think if you're gonna think at some point when you're watching so much wrestling as we do you have to accept that pretty much everyone's a cunt yeah i'll tell you who yeah. isn't
1: though. I'll tell you in michael barrymore <laughs> <laughs>
2: Then there's also ads for Orton versus Edge, Otis versus Dolph Ziggler, Alistair Black versus Bobby Lashley, Bailey versus Sasha versus Tamina versus Naomi versus Lacey Evans, Rhea Ripley versus Charlotte Flair, The Street Profits versus Angel Garza and Austin Theory, and Bray Wyatt versus Cena, all on the WrestleMania 36 show, which we will be reviewing in two weeks' time. Caught me off guard to see Austin
1: Theory on the card. I did not realise that he'd been around that long.
2: Yes, and as we established when you were away, Tom, he was actually a stand in for Andrade, who was supposed to be in that match. Oh,
3: okay. of Johnny Gargano's Faction The Way Way back when oh, The Way That's a
1: crap name For a faction. Yeah
2: but it was Spelled W-H-E-Y
3: Like protein
2: Yeah <laughs> why? why That's so fucking stupid It wasn't It wasn't It wasn't, I no, it
1: wasn't. Oh okay <laughs>
3: We were genuinely Called The Way No I'm not having that
1: That's why I'm sorry you know, That's why Johnny Gargano's Rubbish Matt yeah. <laughs> Shit yeah, but, faction names
2: Tom's just heard Of this thing And he's decided That's the reason Johnny Gargano's shit <laughs> Yeah,
3: so <laughs> no, i am not accepted that.
2: Anyway, so we get into the last match we've got to cover tonight, which is Bill Goldberg versus Braun Strowman for the Universal title. Oh, fuck, uh, this is
3: going to take ages to go
2: through this. <laughs> it's a match that goes just over two minutes. Strowman hits four power slams and wins the belt. That's it. That's the match. Tom, what did you think of it? Got one note. <laughs> like, that's it.
1: That's it. There's there's a the couple of spears at the beginning, then, yeah, a couple of power slams, and that's it. And I was like,
2: why Well, before you go there, Tom, we also establish when you're away that this was supposed to be where Roman Reigns was instead of well, Bill Goldberg right
1: that instead of Bill Goldberg so they're still planning on Braun Strowman yeah yeah, yeah yeah okay yeah okay brilliant that makes sense <laughs> um, like why why I was watching this and I was like what the fuck is this shit like fucking Braun Strowman versus Goldberg like Braun Strowman is capable ish big guy Braun Strowman uh, Braun Strowman is shit actually I, I retract that I think he's rubbish because he's not he's just not good enough and Goldberg is just old and Crap and he was never a workhorse, but his matches were effective. But he's not gonna have an effective match against someone that big. So what a dreadful, dreadful match. i just fuck off and dive. <laughs> <laughs> <Matt.
3: laughs> Well, this is where the polar bear comes into it because I thought this was effective. You say he's not going to have a good... I mean, you can hardly call it a match. I mean, yeah, it's called a spade of spade. You can you, you can hardly call it a match because it was. I mean, probably the, the two main notes that I have on it is one, Goldberg coming out with security when there's nobody in the building. I'm like, the fuck is <laughs> security walking him out for? <laughs> there's, there's, there's no need. What a waste of money. So, so somebody fucked up there. And this match pretty much just reminds reminds me of of say like the 12 year old kid playing Smackdown versus Raw or something and puts all the finishes on and says we're going to have a multiplayer match we're going to have all the specials on and this is going to be a this is going to be our match and that's what they bought it's just spear 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 power slam power slam power slam power slam yeah I won it was just a, it was a video game it was just a video game match but you know Goldberg still looks for you know for his age he still looks menacing enough he's still got a relative decent name for people to beat. Do you know what? I don't think that it was the right time for Braun Strowman to win. I I do feel that there was a time where they could have very briefly gone with him. I kind of felt that I had passed by this point already. But again, it was a the pandemic. There was fucking nobody around. They had to do something. Eh, why not?
2: On on the Braun Strowman thing, I, I agree with you. I think 2017 would have been the time when he was sort of feuding with Lesnar and Samoa Joe and Roman Reigns again, I think, actually. They had a sort of four-way thing going on between four big guys. And Strowman, at that time, was getting a good reaction and felt like he could, he could have been champion. They obviously did... They obviously liked him. He was big, he was muscular, and he wasn't immobile. So that that was enough for them. Like, if you're big, you're muscular, and you can move, then then they're fine. And when I say move, I'm not saying particularly fast. I'm just saying move <laughs> well,
1: they must have at all. Well, then what's the point of Omas, then? <laughs> <laughs> I, don't,
2: I don't know. But, yeah, I, I'm with Tom. I thought this was just in front of no crowd as well. I think with the crowd who are like ooh and ahn for the big power moves, I can I can see that working. And I can there see aren't them. Any though. I could see them passing off as a power kind of slam. <laughs> <laughs> I could see them passing off as like a big fight kind of thing, you know, for, for the stare down maybe and then two minutes of just power moves but here it just it didn't didn't look good and Matt the only reason that you're kind of still kind of apologizing for Goldberg is that you are aware as well as I am that the all-in show that you've bought a ticket for today is going to feature Bill Goldberg in some kind of prominent position.
3: (laughs) Oh, my God, I would laugh my head off if that's
2: the case. It's going to, I'm telling you, guaranteed. it's
3: going to be Goldberg versus Sting. Probably. Sting's last match, isn't it? Probably, yeah, something like Ah.
2: that. So that's all of the matches on this. There is then the advertisement for Los Angeles as next year's WrestleMania host, which, as we've already established, didn't happen because they had to change things about. But that's everything. That's everything on WrestleMania 36 night one. What a lovely feeling. Just under three hours this was. Uh, Absolutely magnificent after the five hours and 19 minutes we had for WrestleMania 35. Who see there are there were some shoots of good that you missed the last few, Matt. You you got away with something there. So it's time for your overall thoughts, your score at 10 and any other business you haven't yet cleared up. Matt, why don't we start with you?
3: I think this is the hardest show I've ever had to rate. I, in some ways, I don't even feel it's fair to, to rate it on a normal scale. I, I almost feel like it by default, it, I have to give it a extra point <laughs> just for sort of existing and, and the fact that it happened. Um, I, well, I obviously said my match of the night it is the uh, the boneyard match, take it as my MVP of the night. Of a number, do you know what? I'm torn, so I'm just gonna split the difference. I think I'm gonna go with a five. Tom again
1: seconding what matt said it's a really difficult one to score because it's so unlike any other wrestlemania ever ever happened but i'm looking through the matches now i like the tag match at the beginning the women's tag match i thought it was decent the elias king Corbin match was absolutely fine the becky lynch versus shana blazer match was good but it should have been a bit longer sammy Zayn versus daniel bryan again good should have been longer the aladdin matches are crap the kevin owens seth rollins match is decent I feel like I've seen it before, about four or five times, because you know, I feel like I've seen so much of them, but it was, it was pretty damn good. The Goldberg match is just an angle, and the Boneyard match is really good. I'm looking at six of the nine matches that I quite liked, so I'm going to give this a six. I haven't given my MVP yet, have I? I'm going to... It's something we didn't discuss. But I'm going to give my MVP to the poor little DX band, because they're not included in the America the Beautiful compilation at the beginning, and I feel sorry for them.
2: Well, they're not the only ones. The um, lady from the Special Olympics from WrestleMania 11 is also not featured on this
1: yeah, and there will
2: be one or two others I just can't remember them yeah. but those are the ones I could remember
1: but that, that was the one that really stuck out that they weren't included in it so yeah the DX band from WrestleMania 14
2: <laughs> uh, so hang on they're the MVP of the night because they weren't on it <laughs> yeah
1: poor little tykes
2: <clears throat> uh, I'm giving this a six as well. And I'm not grading that in any way differently. I, I think this would be, no, I think if this had a crowd, I think it would be higher, mm. actually. I think this was actually a really decent show. They just had no crowd and that really detracted from it, but not for anybody's choice, obviously. You know, it was simple as that. But I I do believe that if I saw exactly the same show in front of a crowd, I would have rated it higher than a six. because I thought it was really good. I thought that the Kevin Owens-Seth Rollins match was really good. I thought the opener was really good. I thought the Becca Lynch-Shayna Baszler match was really good. I thought you didn't take her AJ Styles match was really good. There were a few bum notes. Yes, the, the Shubba Threat ladder match for me, which I fell asleep through most of. The the Elias match with Baron Corbin, couldn't couldn't care less. And the and Bill Goldberg versus Braun Truman, but that was like two minutes of, of, of the whole show. So I can't really moan about it. And all in all, I thought this, yeah, I thought this was in, in general a pretty decent show. And I think that the even though the novelty did wear off a little bit of there being no crowd after the first match, in general, I think they struck a good balance of different things going on obviously for the last match taking you out of the venue entirely and putting you in this sort of cinematic world so that kind of changed things up a bit i think i'm already kind of erring into my expectations for next for the next show i have a feeling that that novelty will wear off much quicker for night two of this show and i'll be it'd be interesting to see if it manages to maintain the quality as a consequence but in general this was a good show so yeah six for me and what that means for this Show is that it's about halfway up the rankings. Five point six seven average rating from us. It is in twenty first position out of thirty six shows. So yes, sort of just just below halfway. So
1: not bad. So where is um, so WrestleMania Seventeen's number one, isn't it? Yes. And then what's that? Nineteen after.
2: Nineteen. 30, 31, 21, 24, 25, 10, 22, and 23. I'm so glad
1: that I did the top four. <laughs> I got to sit through some of the best. Recency bias can work in the other way. I think we kind of said that before, especially when we are discussing uh, previous old wrestling. I can't see anything else getting above mid-table from memory, so this is going to be quite interesting to see what the I, last couple of ones turn out like.
2: What's interesting for me is that I did watch WrestleMania 37 all the way through, but can really not remember anything about it and certainly night two i can barely remember anything 38 i only watched night one i didn't watch night two and i haven't watched any of 39 i didn't watch any of it last uh this past year so uh, maybe because i don't know what happened or I, know, I know what happened but i don't know how good it was so i'm i'm keeping an open mind there could be something that's really big and really good
3: 38 uh, i'm likely
2: to have a bit of bias
3: towards them, i must admit
2: because <laughs> i was
3: there are you on it though <laughs> no not but uh like i said for my first one yeah that's i'll have some bias for me i have no doubt
2: cool okay well that's everything we need to do today tom thank you for your contributions this i think is the last time you'll be on with matt until um, you're b- your break.
1: absolutely pleasure hopefully when i uh, when i'm able to come back we'll
2: dance this merry dance again and matt thank you for your contributions as well pleasure i look forward to dancing
3: the merry dance again
2: <laughs> <laughs> this has been the random wrestling review we'll be back in two weeks time with night two of wrestlemania 36 we'll also have another episode of some kind in between don't know exactly what it'll be but until then take care